Welcome back to another episode of Life is Full of Daisies, where we talk all things life and becoming the best versions of ourselves. I'm Daisy Ayala, and on today's episode, we are celebrating women for Women's History Month. And on today's episode, I am joined by the spectacular Jumi Adeyinka, the sculpting guru. She's the owner of Skin Deep Sculpting, which provides post-operative care to women and men who've recently undergone plastic surgery or are looking for non-invasive ways to sculpt their bodies. They help ensure that your body goals are met and exceeded. She's a nurse with almost a decade of varied experience and is triple certified in the field of post-operative care. She brings her love of helping others and ingenuity into every interaction. She has an unwavering passion for guiding women and men through the post-surgical process and empowering them through her knowledge and expertise. And not only that, y'all, she's a single mom and doing it all, y'all. So let's welcome to the show, Jumi. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Daisy. That's a really good introduction. I was like, oof. Okay. Girl, I mean that's your that's your intro in your website. Wow, yeah, I'm like, hmm. I was like, it was very well written. I love it. It's, it it really like which intro is everything because you it want is. people to immediately read it and know who you are all about. And honestly, right. I was like, I don't even have to do the work. I literally copy right and there. pasted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, and that's your intro. Our marketing guys, hey, good job to him. Right, <laughs> props to him. Right, so. I actually wanted to bring Jumi on because one, we've met through networking events yes. and, and I just love her work ethic. You seem very oh, genuine. Thank and you. honestly, I feel like you are such a role model to some women because I've, I've looked at like your posts and mm-hmm. I, I see, and I've, you know, you've, we've spoken here and there in like group settings. Yeah. So I kind of knew your story a little bit, but I knew there was more to it. And okay. I've never seen myself as a role model, but I'll take that. But I mean, you that's are. Awesome. That's awesome. And Thank you, you that's interesting you say that, though, because I feel as women, we tend to not look at ourselves as that person. Mm-hmm. And that's I went true. to an event th- through Thrive Society this past on Tuesday for Women's International Day. Yeah. And a lot of the panelists were saying, and it kind of resonated with a lot of the women in the mm-hmm. crowd, how it sometimes is really hard for us to really accept that we actually are examples in to our other own people. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we're all often looking at other people to be our example. But, you know, recently found out people are looking up to me to be an example. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're like, this is weird. This uh, is weird. Um, I guess, you know, follow me. <laughs> hey, I feel like when you do it at, from a place of being genuine and from a place of actually being authentic, people are naturally gravitating to that because I think we're in society. I think there's this huge shift from showing this perfect life, mm-hmm. you know, like Instagram does. Oh, yes. And now with TikTok, so it's fake. so raw. TikTok mm-hmm. is like you be throwing it out there. It doesn't matter who yeah. you are. You just put yourself out there. And I, you can see that shift happening, and I think people just are yeah. craving more of the realness. Authenticity, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and people do value that. I, I like when I see that people put their real life on social media, and mm-hmm. it's not like the, you know, fake perfect, whatever we think people want to see. I still struggle with that. Sometimes I'm like... You know, we'll create a post on social media and then delete it before I even have a time to post it. Because I'm like, is this too real and raw for people? Or is this putting too much of my business out there? I think it's and I I totally get that. Like, I'll give the example yesterday, you know, Kim Kardashian and y'all will be hearing this episode like a few (laughs) weeks later. But Kim Kardashian, like 
her interview with Variety was all that that oh, one yeah. scene was pretty much going through whole social media, and yeah, I kept seeing women. Viral. There was either t- different reactions. Mm-hmm. To one reaction was like praising her, and you're like, "Yes, go girl!" And yeah. then the other, like, I just got fed up with it because, you know, I posted something just with words, and yeah. then I finally said, "You know what? Screw this!" I mean, I was in after work in my work attire, yeah. and my hair is all messy, but I just posted what I felt. I was a little nervous, but I just mm-hmm. did it. And I cannot tell you, I've had like a lot of women. They're like, yeah. "Thank you for saying it." Like. I'm tired of people saying like, oh, you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. But it's like you can't work yourself to death. You can't. You can't define success by what she defined. I'm sorry. She's privileged. Let's Mm -hmm. be real. She grew up with a lot more privilege than I had. So I don't have those resources. Those are complete unrealistic expectations that we measure ourselves by other people's measuring stick. But those people have an entire team and staff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their staff have assistants. And it's just like me as a single mom. Yeah. I have a nanny and I have, you know, an assistant and I have employees, but I don't, nowhere near Kim Kardashian's oh, no. <laughs> help. So, you know, it's I like the interview, but I when I watch that, I'm like, I hope people aren't being so hard on themselves mm-hmm. after seeing that because this is her year's into her career and the industry she's built while standing on, you know, other people lifting her up and using different opportunities, you know, to get there. It's not, you know... We we have to be fair to ourselves. Yeah, and then, and that also, too, because then I saw, I happened to see a post, like, somebody was saying, oh, so w- we aren't working hard enough? Like, they're questioning their own worth, and yeah. I was just like, uh-uh, that is it. I, yeah. I will not have people saying that this is the... Standard ro- of hard work. Exactly, yeah. and I was like, no. <laughs> so it's not. <laughs> it isn't, and I went on a little rant, and mm-hmm. essentially mm, the biggest thing that I want anyone to understand is you have to define what that is for yourself. Exactly. Like, no one can define it. Mm-hmm. You know, You're very right about that. I was like, it could be whatever. It could be that you start your own business. Great. That's your yeah. success. It could be that you have five businesses. Okay, great. Yeah. That's great it, for you. It but. can be that you're just working a normal job and we have to j- stop shaming people for not owning businesses and yeah. having regular jobs. It's something that really gets under my skin when entrepreneurs try to belittle other people for having a nine to five. Yeah. It's There's not no- everyone is made to do this. This this I don't know if I can curse, but Go, you this could shit do, is you hard. Could. It <laughs> you is know, it is hard. It is very difficult to be an entrepreneur and it not it's not everyone's path. Yeah. And you have to just respect people where they are, accept them and don't mm-hmm. talk down to them because you know, they're they've had the same nine to five job yeah. for twelve years. If that's what gives them a sense of pride and mm-hmm. purpose, then you are an accomplished person too. Yeah. Right? And I was, and to yeah. me, it's like, you have to look at their background upbringing to see like, where did they start? And if they are mm-hmm. better off than other generations, exactly. that is success. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I just, I don't like that, how, how things get spun. And it's like, I want even moms, like if you, that is you being a stay at home mother, that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. I used to be a stay at home mother. I don't know how y'all did I mean, or did it. I, it's not the most, it's boring. You know, you are just isolated. I used to be a stay at home mom mm-hmm. and 
that is work in of itself. Mm-hmm. Keeping a house, doing you're the assistant of the house, you're the maid, you're the person doing the laundry, you're the one making sure the trash is taken out sometimes yeah. if your husband's the sole provider and he's out traveling. Like in my case, mm-hmm. uh, my ex-husband traveled a lot, right? And I was home with the one-year-old. It's um, hard. It's hard. You know, you're grocery shopping with a one-year-old, keeping the house clean and doing all the doctor's appointments yourself. That is a job. I know. And I mean, I just watch my it's friends that are have, they're all yeah. having kids now. And they're like between the ages of you know zero to five years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and they have their husbands to help them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just over here like, how do... How do single moms do it? How do women that decide to take on being a mother on their own do it? I'll like, tell you how. Gosh, a lot of just, well, for me, it's a lot of getting help. So mm-hmm. I've always had a nanny, but I'm like such a hands-on helicopter mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super helicopter. So it helps for ha- to have someone who can help do laundry and pack lunch, but you know, and clean the bathtub after bath time, things like that. But I still want to be as involved as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do bath time and I'll prep dinner and read yeah. the bedtime story books most of the time. But how we do it is just delegating. Some days I have a networking event that I have to go to. I don't, I may not feel like going, Yeah. but I know that there's some really important connections that I have mm-hmm. to make. And my son will be like, mommy, where are you going? work why do you have to go to work all the time and then i have to sit there and explain to him yeah for 10 minutes why and kind of bargain with him like if i can't put you to bed tonight tomorrow you know i will put you to bed and read your favorite book sometimes it's just how it has to go yeah as a busy single mom and business owner just you know there's a certain sacrifice that you have to kind of make to be able to do both mm-hmm. and i mean like i said i look up to y'all to mo- to moms all over i don't care if you're stay at home or not like another human being depending on you is a lot of work <laughs> and then work. <laughs> for stay-at-home moms i feel like it's even harder because then you start to lose yourself in just being about your child Isolated. that you don't have that connection with adults Other and you people. Yeah, and I, yeah. I feel, I'm like, I don't know, there has to be a balance. I, I just feel bad for some moms that don't have that don't have that help or don't have mm-hmm. that community Exactly. to at least, like, have a little break every once in a while. Yeah, that's why a lot of moms go through postnatal depression, mm-hmm. right, years after. And even, like, I read studies on these things because I just love psychology and I love mm-hmm. everything science. I'm a science nerd. That's just how I've been growing up, but... Postnatal depression extends further now, not just, you know, um, a year or two years, even like seven years Uh into middle school. Some moms are still depressed after they've had their kids, you know, years into being a mother because they're struggling with all these thoughts. Am I a good mom? Yeah. And am I mentally tough enough to be a mom? Um. I'm staying home and I'm not really having an interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an isolating feeling. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people just don't realize they're not alone. I wish one of these moms, you know, out there in Katy or Cyprus start a group with each other and just 
talk. Talk. And, yeah. That is true. I mean, I think it. Um, so I interviewed a mom. She's actually out in Katy. Mm-hmm. She's through the Mindful Business Women. Really her name's Kendall, and she's been trying to create a platform like for moms. Okay. Just whether you're single, stay at home. Yeah. Oh, her name is, is Mindful Mamas on Instagram, and she. Uh, I interviewed her like early in my early days of podcasting, yeah. and I love just the platform. I love her energy. She used to be a school teacher, so she's trying mm-hmm. to create that. And I think she actually lives out in Katy, to be okay. honest. So, yeah. might need to connect with her to help. Yeah. Create that community. Exactly. It's. It can, like I said, it can be a lonely world out here for moms. Yeah. Single or not. I know. I was like, but no mom should feel isolated exactly. or alone because you are not. Nope. We, we kind of got off off of the topic, but I felt like it was important to talk about that, which we will talk about more a little bit about your, mm-hmm. kind of your journey as a mother in just a minute. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to backtrack and get to know kind of your background, like, you know, how you grew up just okay. you know are you from Houston or did you move to Houston are you and so I moved to Houston when I was 16 I was I started junior year of high school here okay. in Cyprus uh Katy area and I moved here from New Jersey New Jersey yeah Jersey slash Philly Jersey oh, <laughs> I was like there's that accent I was Joy-Z. like where's that where's the accent mm-hmm. <laughs> uh slash Philly but I came to this country when I was about six seven oh, okay um, from Nigeria yeah. right I uh-huh. was born in Nigeria my parents came here first mm-hmm. and they left us in Nigeria for about a year year and a half and then we came here straight to Philly and then Jersey and then here here I am. You're then you're here. Since you said because like we kind of have similar like backgrounds. I was also born in Mexico. Came in here Nigeria. when I was six. Yeah, it, I'm always interested and fascinated by the whole psychology of like immigrant kids. Ooh, and when your yeah. parent, like my dad, I wouldn't say he he's an amazing father mm-hmm. and he did the best with what he the tools he had right. But being going through therapy, I've been able to realize it because he was always here at the U.S. working and he wasn't a part of my life for like the first five years. I mean, he was yeah. in and out. So I really didn't know him. And that father figure was kind of yeah. not there. That affected me in yeah. a way that I didn't think it did. Yeah, it would. And for you, how did that affect you? Well, first of all, coming to this country after my parents have already been here and being left in Nigeria was traumatizing. Yeah, You know, it was probably not the best decision to make as parents to leave your children, young children, with relatives that are, like, abusive, right? And they didn't know they were abusive, you know? They didn't really take care of us. It was just kind of neglectful and physically, emotionally, all their ways abusive. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not the best decision for parents to make. Yeah. But, and I had so much, uh, I guess, resentment Mm -hmm. for that for years and even in adulthood. So I don't know, that that experience really shaped who I am. I think that is like one of the strongest experiences of my life is living a year and a half without my parents in basically a village in mm-hmm. Nigeria mm-hmm. and not being really well looked after and just feeling like, okay, <laughs> I I guess I'm by myself now and I have to fend for myself. Yeah. At six years old, and I had a younger brother who was two, and oh they left him, yeah, at the same time. Um, but it as I 
got older mm-hmm. and being an immigrant and seeing what other people in this con- in, on this planet are suffering and mm-hmm. the extent people will take to get to this country, mm-hmm. I understand their reasoning for mm-hmm. that, you know, which is just, just let's get here and survive because Nigeria is a third world country is yeah. most... Most, no. um, most, you know, most immigrant countries are like India, is parts of Asia. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older and could basically just accept the fact that perhaps that's what they thought would be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've kind of just let that feeling of resentment go. But as a parent. I would never, ever leave my kid anywhere. I don't care. <laughs> You're like, I don't trust I don't people. care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust anyone really around my kids. So there's no way on this planet I would leave my kid in the country and just yeah. bounce. That's not going to happen. Um, but coming to this country, mm-hmm. I've learned so much, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I find it funny. Most people will tell me, oh, you don't have an accent. I can't tell that you were born in Nigeria. Mm. And I tell them, well, that was by design because the first thing my parents did when I got to this country is put me in speech therapy for like oh. three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They well, wanted me to lose my accent completely. Really? And just sound like <laughs> my clients make joke around um, when they speak to me on the phone and mm-hmm. they finally meet me. You can see the look of shock on their face like. They're expecting, like, a Caucasian lady. <laughs> they're expecting a white lady, and they're just like, oh, Jew me? And like, yeah, it's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the funny thing is I still speak the language, like, my native language, uh-huh. and I, fluently, yeah, to my parents and just, like, other Nigerians. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that I have both. Yeah. You know? I can yeah. turn it on and off. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I said, very similar backgrounds. Um, although my parents, they didn't do the speech therapy, but my dad would speak to us in English because one, yeah. he was trying to learn the language too. Yeah. And my mom would only speak to us in Spanish. And if it weren't for her, we wouldn't have kept Lose, the Spanish. Exactly. We would have lost the, the language aspect. But no one ever, usually a lot of people can't pick that I am Mexican when I am. Mm-hmm. I was born there, raised there for five oh. years. And... And they're always like, but you don't have an accent. I'm like, well, think about it. I've been here since I was six. six. And I was like, you lose it if you don't you have do, it. Yeah. I think they say there's actually studies that have been done on this. And if like, I think in your teenage years, if you, mm. if you've like lived in a certain country, have developed that accent, it's harder for you to lose that in your teenage years versus like your younger years. Yes, exactly. It's more like ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brother came to this country when he was uh, older um because there there are four of us so my older brother came here the last right to this country and he still has a pretty thicker nigerian accent Mm. um than my me and Mm -hmm. my younger brother uh okay who came here at the same time you can't even tell he's nigerian you're like (laughs) what who's this guy i know (laughs) yeah so you put all of us in a room together it's just like okay but as long as you still are able to like speak the language and I mean and also like did you ever feel like shame for at some point because I've I know I struggled with this because it's like you I grew up in a small town so there is that pressure of like you can't be say you're Mexican because then people there there's racism towards that and so there was always this like 
line boundary that you had to waver between because it's like I never fit enough in American society but I also never fit enough in the old Mexican society because exactly. I was deemed white mm-hmm. and it's just like well then where's my identity it took me a long time to like finally be yeah. like no I'm Mexican and I'm you okay are. with that exactly you know? you're just a different variety they're different types of you know Nigerians different types of mm-hmm. Mexicans there isn't a one size fits all for culture yeah so people need to get out of that mindset it's silly though you know, my friends will joke around and be like, oh, you're you're losing the tongue, the native tongue, oh, like, whatever. You're like, meh, but I still understand and I, I can do. still hold, I a, hold a conversation. I can, and I try to teach my son when he says it. I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> you're like, oh, we're <laughs> This language is going to end with you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just put him in classes later on. He'll I pick know. it up. He'll exactly. pick it up. Yeah. They're, like, they're like sponges. They are. But um, going back to something you said is that you made peace with, like yeah. you hold the resentment you held um, for your parents. And I love that because at some point, and I've come to terms with that too, is like your parents weren't bad parents. You're right. They were doing the best they could. Yeah. Um, well, with my, I, I have slightly different experience with my parents, but I wouldn't say that their intention was bad. It's just they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the relationship with my parents, it's mm-hmm. not really there, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't really talk to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've chosen not to speak to her. And my dad, it's just more of like someone I help take care of, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that close, close, tight-knit family, family mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've also accepted that that's okay. You don't get to choose your parents. You don't get to choose mm-hmm. your family mm-hmm. or your siblings and you just make the best of what you have in life. That is true. That's it. Once we start accepting that, you would just be a happier person. Your life will not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just, And I tell my son this, as young as he is, he's four. Mm-hmm. I tell him, life isn't perfect. It won't always be perfect, but it's your job to make it your life that you're mm-hmm. happy with, right? So... um as far as that experience coming here separate from them, it's kind of had like a domino effect mm-hmm. in my relationship with them currently. Mm. And then it's just kind of helped. It fractured the whole family dynamic with my entire family because there's certain people I don't speak to mm-hmm. as much, even like some siblings that I barely speak to. Mm. And it's just, you know. It, it, it that's I call it that that's just being life. It's um, just life. And I recently had this conversation with my my own therapist because mm-hmm. um, I was just like I always thought that family was everything. Like you're taught that this is what how oh, it has yeah. to be, but when you start realizing the toxic patterns within oh, certain my people, gosh. yes. You start to realize wait a minute, when you start to heal yourself too because mm-hmm. like I had this issue where I needed validation from and I couldn't see it for myself until now and I finally said wait a minute I don't need I don't need anybody I need myself to know that I love me and that's it yes and I mean luckily I've had really good like I've been able to speak to my father and mother about like certain things and Mm -hmm. And I I forgave them for, like, certain things that I was angry about. Like, I didn't realize I was. It was all psychologically deep-rooted. Yeah. And finally, I just made peace with it. And I said, you know what? They're not – they're not – they've never been bad people. Like, they're the sweetest people. But 
sometimes emotionally if you're not mature enough to like help a child grow in those places yeah. it affects them tremendous they'd it say does. the first four years are the most important, important years yes. of development for a child yeah so you know i love them and i'm lucky to still have a good relationship i think our relationship's even better because That's we've good. had to confront like i had to tell my dad uh-uh yeah none of this like this is being toxic and i can't tolerate that like i need you to be you know because my dad's typical mexican very cold very withdrawn yes. sometimes and that's just how he grew up too Sounds like, like a nigerian dad <laughs> i think a lot of immigrant fathers are the yes. same right but one day i sat down with him and i was like 20 and i just told him i was like you know you have girls and we need you to be there for it you need to hug us you yeah. are not there you are you've been there in, you know financially he's always been a provider he's always done a job and he's always definitely made sure to support us in whatever we try to do. But emotionally that was not there. And I remember having that conversation. And after that, it took like maybe a year, yes. but now he actually hugs us and like, okay. will give us a kiss on the cheek. and be Aww. like, Hey honey, I haven't seen you. In a you know? Wonderful. So I was like, it sometimes it takes hard conversations, but to break through. Yeah. But in, but also it has to be two sided and the other party has to listen. If they don't, yes. they don't want to change, then you know what? You've done your part and you can make peace with it and move on. Exactly. So as long as you let people know your, you know, what you expect of them mm -hmm. um, or what will be what you want them to do in that relationship, what you need from them, it's up to them to do it or not. Yeah. Or leave. But, yeah. And that's great. That's such a beautiful thing that you told him and. You know, I'm sure it wasn't an immediate. No, I think he had to think about it. He was like, yes. what? Uh, he was like, what? Uh, what? But yeah. he's always been very open minded. He's always been at least willing to hear me out and willing. And he does think about it. And there will, there are changes and shifts throughout like a period of time. Yes. But I also love that you chose to like distance yourself and not keep toxic people yeah. in your life. Because I truly believe, like you said, just because you're born into a family doesn't mean that they're your real family. Like yeah. some of my friends they're are considered some of my, my close family, family too. Yes, they're exactly. the most supportive. Yeah. I've had friends. I have friends now in my thirties as an adult that I know have my back. Like if I needed something or I'm going through something or I need mm -hmm. a shoulder to cry on, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. And I can say certainly, yes, this person has my back rather mm -hmm. than some family members that, you know, if I'm in trouble and I had one phone call, you definitely would not be my phone call. Oh, right. Um, because, you know, they just, you don't relate to them as much as you do your friends. Your your family, when they are friends that you pick, it's so much more meaningful. Yeah. You know, and I tell people, just because someone's your family member does not give them the right to just do whatever they want in your life. Mm -hmm. You know live without boundaries or rules no yeah yeah so taking that step back i think it's been five years six mm -hmm. years that i've had like a relationship with my mom that's lasted over a month mm -hmm. yeah and i finally just decided i can't do this anymore mm -hmm. it's it it is not this is not healthy she is extremely toxic and narcissistic and I just can't it's just not the atmosphere I want in my life right mm -hmm. and it was a hard decision but I had to just make it and not look back yeah um 
And every single time I've given her a chance, after I had my son, I kind of gave her a chance to be a mom. It was all about her. Mm. Yeah, when I was getting married, it was no family member came to my wedding. I walked myself down the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled a Meghan Markle. Yeah, I did. And in the Nigerian community, it's like, oh, wow. It's like frowned upon. Oh, my gosh. It's like disgraceful. I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'll walk my own two Mm -hmm. feet down this aisle. And my mom wasn't there. My dad, my siblings weren't there. Yeah. Well, and if you don't mind me asking, why yeah. weren't they there? They had such a terrible divorce that they hated each other. And, you know, uh, it was more of a, their relationship was a narcissistic slash codependent, my mom being the super malignant narcissist, like uh, overt, like you could, <laughs> you couldn't even, you could, it's very difficult to have a relationship with someone like that. Um and there are there was a time where she actually like literally kidnapped my siblings and I didn't see them for five years. Mm-hmm. And and she lived in Katy in the same town and I did not see them for five years. Changed her number, their numbers, and it was kind of like a punishment to me and my dad. Right. Well, why did she take the siblings and not you? Like what? I was. And I was starting, well, I was in college then. Oh, okay. And they were younger. uh, And they were going through a difficult divorce. And she came home. I came home from school one day. I was like, gosh, barely 19. I was in community college just trying to get my, you know, my first few credits and things like that. And she's like, I'm leaving your dad. Are you coming with me or not? Well, where are we going? (laughs) And I was going to a community college that was like 15 minutes from home. Mm -hmm. I can't just say yes and you move us an hour away. How am I going to get to school? She refused to tell me. She said, if I tell you, you'll tell your dad and I can't have that. The next day, she was gone. She, I was at school. My dad was at work. The house, when I came home, was empty. She took the light bulb (laughs) from the lights. What? Just to be spiteful. Oh, that is petty. Took the light bulbs from the light. Wow. She left me a bed, thankfully, so I could at least sleep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That just, I don't know, like, that sounds like somebody that's in severe, like, pain internally. Pain, but yeah. they refuse. And rage. Yeah. yeah. And the, but at the you know, I've, I've dabbled in, like, reading about the psychology of that. And mm-hmm. it's just like. I get people have really traumatic experiences oh in their gosh, lives yeah. and we can never understand because we've never gone through it, right? But at some point as an adult, you have to take responsibility for it. Yeah, and, you do. And heal and fix it so that way, you know, your kids don't pass down. It's it's mm-hmm. like I call it breaking the generational traumas. Exactly. Like you don't want those passed down. You don't. Yeah. So She definitely passed that down. I think that was one of the most like – I, some, have you ever seen a movie where someone has such a visceral reaction to something they saw they want to throw up, right? Oh, yeah. That was so traumatizing to me that day. I spoke to my therapist about this years ago. I was like, that, I think that was the day where I felt I understood what being abandoned really felt like. like wow. And I didn't hear from her or speak to her or see my siblings for five years. Five years. Wow. Yeah. 
yeah. And then my dad moved some random person into the house. He lied to me and told me that was um, like someone who'd be renting a room. But turns out that was like, I don't know, someone he was seeing or dating or whatever. So I, I then just left. I moved. I was dating my ex-husband then. I was 19. And he oh, was, okay. He just turned, he was 29, about to be 30. So okay. there's a huge age gap. And he was just like, I'll take care of you. And you're like, oh. I was like, okay. You're like, I mean, this is better than what I have. The well, that's what I thought. Right. Well, at the time. At right. the time, that's what I thought. So, um, so I want to ask, since you, like, with that being abandoned, essentially, mm-hmm. how did that affect you internally? It was just, I was very closed off as a person. It just made me realize that I have to just fend for myself. You know, I have mm-hmm. to take care of myself. I can't really, I have to be watching my back. I think that experience kind of made me a bit more paranoid. Yeah. You know, like someone could just pull the rug from underneath you. Yeah, it creates a lot of anxiety. It, a lot of anxiety. Like, I have to make sure that this person doesn't leave me, right? I have to leave first. And I, I can actually see how that was a root of a lot of relationship issues that I had too. Mm-hmm. So I was always the person who wanted to leave before I got left, you know, yeah. because my mom left me and basically just ghost. She <laughs> Talk did. about ghosting. She ghosted me and took my siblings for five years. Like, yeah. Yeah. I hired a private investigator. I was a broke college student. I literally like sold things that I owned, books, uh-huh. And like borrowed money from my ex-husband while we're dating um, to hire a private investigator to find my siblings. And I found where they lived. I went there. And what happened? She was out of the country at that time. <clears throat> and they were living in this like townhome apartment, whatever. And they saw me through the blinds and they refused to open the door. And I think at that moment, I just literally lost it. I, like, lost it in front of my ex-husband. We were dating then. I was, like, shaking. Wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, there's another, like, they're literally rejecting you and abandoning you Mm -hmm. because they're not, they don't even want to face you. Yeah, yeah. And she she told them all sorts of things and lies and just, like, things that if I repeated, you'd be like, what? Wow. I mean, from what you just said, I, I I can only imagine. Yeah. Like, so for years, they just, you know, saw me as the enemy. And these are siblings that mm-hmm. um, I took care of when she left us in Nigeria. So I was like a mother figure to my younger brother. Um, yeah. My younger sister was born here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically helped raise her and change wow. diapers. When I was eight, she was there. When I was 10, she was a newborn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's ten years younger than me. Okay. Um. So that was just like I couldn't even I couldn't wrap my brain around that. I, what was going on in my life at that point? I was like, wow. You know, I was like a walking ghost. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're numb. It's almost yeah. a disbelief. Like, is this really my life? Is this mm-hmm. really happening to me right now? Yeah. Because no one imagines your own family turning their back on you like that. Just like that. Just one day gone. Yeah. You know, it felt like I 
I was grieving my family like they died, but they were still there, which is like... That's even harder. That's even harder. Like, you know, these people are in the same city, but they can't be a part of your life for whatever reason. Someone's turned them against you. Um, And at the same time, I left the house where my dad was. This Mm -hmm. woman actually moved in. Mm. And, you know, he took the car that he gave me and then gave it to this new person. And I was just like, no car, no money. Both my parents were just like, screw you figure it out yourself so then you know my ex-husband while mm-hmm. we we're dating he basically just took care of me okay and how did how was like how was that in the beginning because obviously now you're divorced oh but, yeah i'm divorced <laughs> but how did i mean do you want to speak on you know just like that marriage that relationship and did it relate to a lot of like the trauma that you went through like with your family into yeah. that relationship yes it, it did and you know I've had to become kind of like an expert or as much as of, of an expert as I can be mm-hmm. about narcissistic abuse, people who sur- suffer from NPD. Um, I believe my mom may have a little bit of um, borderline personality, too, mm-hmm. after reading. she I know she's definitely narcissistic, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, textbook. Checks every single box. Lack mm-hmm. of empathy. Not being able to put herself in other people's situation, being mm-hmm. self-centered, grandiose personality, things like that. Wow. So they say that when you've gone through that, you become more like a, a magnet to people like yep. that, right? Um, mm-hmm. It shapes and molds who you are. It actually changes your personality even mm-hmm. more to be more susceptible to people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like wounding a wounded animal even more. Right. And they know how to like then you tend to attract narcissistic people as exactly. well. And then they know exactly how to prey on you. Oh, like yeah. it's like it, it literally is a magnet. It's like they're just yeah. coming at you. They see, they see this like wounded person mm-hmm. and they know exactly how to weave their way in yep. and take, you know, take advantage of your weakness and yep. make you feel like you are important. But then you're not. You're not. And then exactly. you, you were in a relationship where you're like, uh, what am I? What What is this? What happened? Yeah. yeah. You sound like you've had. <laughs> You're not mine here. was uh it got really abusive yeah and it happened when i was younger as well See? and i know for sure that it was part of it was because i did i didn't have that like close like emotional relationship with my mm-hmm. father that allowed that me that i allowed that kind of thing to happen and then yeah. i saw it but i couldn't get out of it and then finally like no one knew what was happening while it was happening yeah i felt alone and I knew that I had to get out because, and I'll, I mean, I'll open up about it to Mm y'all. Essentially, what was the last straw is that he put a gun to my head. And I was studying for my boards for dental hygiene. And I I was in the midst of that because I wasn't paying attention to him. I'm like, I have to study to pass the board. put a gun to your head. He said, I was just joking. I was just joking. And I think what hurt the most was that some of, because we had a lot of mutual friends, they thought that that was okay. And they're like, you should just forgive him. He said it was a mistake. The flying monkeys. No. At that yeah. point, I knew I had to get out. But I was like, if he's capable of doing that as a quote-unquote joke, what, a, what, will what else do? will it get to? When it's for real. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it, that's one of the things that makes when you've gone through that kind of abuse and other people mm-hmm. don't really see it or they think that you're just you know, oh, you're mentally weak or you're... you're they don't know. Ma- yeah, they don't know what it feels like. Every single time someone gaslights you, 
It makes you feel like you're going crazy. You literally feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah. And you can't even trust your own self. Yeah. Um, Every time someone devalues you and tries to put you down, you may not believe what they're saying at the moment, but you just ruminate and you just think about it. You can maybe just driving down the freeway and just that thought keeps playing over and mm-hmm. that, those words over and over in your mind, you know, until it just damages you as a person. Yeah. And I'm like I said, I not until I started seeing a therapist that I started because mm-hmm. I kept attracting the same type of guy. I, and I finally said, enough Daisy, is enough. That You sound like me. That's what I said. I was yeah. like, I feel like we've had the same story. Uh, yeah. We've lived kind of the same <laughs> oh parallel God. life. Um, the same. Except I don't have the mom the mom stuff. I yeah. never, you know, I, I never got, but because of that relationship, after that abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and like I said, that was like right when I was ending, like leaving college, mm-hmm. I have been closed off to a lot of men. Like I very, like just very defensive. I, yeah. I leave. I quickly, like I'm out. I make That's an me. excuse. Or I attract the men that are narcissistic mm-hmm. in that are just not right for me and are toxic but i'm always like i think deep down i knew i know it's not going to work out but at least that's my way of trying exactly but in in reality i think now that i've like worked through a lot of it i like my therapist said even though i'm a little afraid to put myself out there again because it's like what if i make you know i'm with the wrong person and i don't see the red flag yeah she said but you have the right tools to be able to see it sooner exactly and you've healed a lot of your wounds that's true and yeah. yes, they're, they're going to reoccur and things, something might flare up. But I think when you're in a mature relationship, you're able to vocalize that with your partner and you're able to like let them yeah. in on why like something triggered you. And exactly. then either they're going to respond in a good, healthy way or they're not going to appreciate or they're not going to respond in a good way. You and, you decide, know, at do that I point, stay or not? Exactly. You make yeah. choices. And um, that's kind of what I've learned as far as like those relationships. But you're right about being man it sounds like we've had the same dating pattern because for me it was like they say men marry their mothers and for me i married someone that was just like my mom Mm, what it was like jumping from the frying pan to the fire as i it was i thought my mom was bad oh man when i got married i did not i it really changed my perception on just life and humans and people's personalities in general because mm-hmm. I went from one narcissist and traded that for another one. From 19, he was 29 when I met him and That's, I was 19. That is a huge age. Yeah, and they were his family um, is family friends with my family. Um, that's how we met oh, okay. at church one day. Uh-huh. And I'm glad we met. I wouldn't change anything because I have my son. And if I were with someone else who wasn't narcissistic, it may be awesome, wonderful. But I want the exact child that I have now. Yeah. Narcissistic dad or not. I love my son so much. Mm-hmm. And he is, he makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. I would do it all over again. Abuse and everything. Just to have that child that I have now. Mm. That is the the prize, I guess, that I get from dealing with that um yeah but it's makes me sad to think how's this gonna affect our son when he gets older i always told myself that i would never speak publicly about this because i don't want him to find like podcasts like this in the future yeah but why not i'm speaking my truth 
right? And I'm hoping that I would raise a child that would respect, that I feel that it's beneficial to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. And maybe even if this podcast helps one person, mm-hmm. you know, um, have the courage to kind of like leave mm-hmm. the terrible relationship they're in, then it's worth it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, we, we I definitely traded one terrible relationship for another really terrible relationship. Uh, one, I want to say I'm sorry that that happened, but oh, I, I I just, I, I, I totally understand like mm-hmm. where you're going, but when you get married, luckily I did not get married to that person. Ugh. But, like, for you, now that... And when did you start going to therapy? And Before we got married, um, we did, like, counseling in mm-hmm. church. Um, and then we did therapy, uh, just, like, premarital mm-hmm. therapy. But I started going to therapy myself right before I got married. Because I could sense, like... This person I am now, I don't even recognize this person. Mm-hmm. It was like I was living someone else's life. I just, I was so detached from the person I am, mm-hmm. you know? I just felt like a shell of a person for, mm-hmm. for, and I felt unhappy. I felt unmotivated. I was just like, you know, just kind of living life. Just, I didn't work. Mm-hmm. He didn't want me to work while we were together, mm-hmm. even though I was, I'm a nurse. I just basically, you know, stay home girlfriend turn stay home stay at home wife which is what he wanted but I started therapy when I was like okay I feel like I need to know if what I'm doing is the right decision I thought maybe while we were engaged is when I started therapy mm-hmm. maybe if I speak to a therapist mm-hmm. she can like give me the answer should I marry this guy or not yeah that's what I was hoping and I tried a few therapists um, some of them were just not that great. A lot mm-hmm. of therapists don't have information about NPD, like narcissistic. Yeah. Per- yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be super specialized in that. And I threw myself into therapy more after we got married and I had a, our son and we had a trip to Bali. Mm-hmm. And that trip was like, that's when I, it was like discovering the secret to what's been going on with me. That's when I was able to find out what narcissistic personality disorder is. After I got married and after I had a kid and our son was like 10 months and Mm -hmm. we took him on vacation um, and we brought a nanny and it was just a mess of a vacation. Oh. Oh my gosh. That was, it was terrible. I cut the trip early. Mm-hmm. I cut it short, and in the middle of the night, I packed my stuff and my son's stuff. Mm-hmm. I sent the nanny back home early because um, the trip was just becoming more out of control. Oh. It was 10 days of hell. You would think, oh, paradise. We went to Sing- We started in Dubai and mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi, and then we went to Singapore, and then we went to Bali. It was like... 10, 12 days. And Mm -hmm. by the time we got to Bali, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Mm -hmm. During that trip, I watched, and I feel so embarrassed even saying this, I watched 122 YouTube videos about narcissistic personality. Girl, don't be embarrassed. You are learning. That is all I did on that trip. 
I would literally write down like in my notes app on my phone all of the crazy bizarre behavior. Wow. Um, he would hit on the nanny and then he would like insult her. What? And I was like, what? And then he would insult me in front of the nanny. And then he would just like. It's like he just was like cre- do bizarre things. Yeah. Turn the AC in uh, in our suite in Dubai to like 50 degrees. But you have a child that's 10 months old. Yeah. That's too I'm cold. Like, you can't you can't do that. You're not the only person here. There's me and the nanny and this kid. It's not just about you. Mm-hmm. And then things will get physical on that trip. It was just it was crazy. Yeah. So I packed up all my stuff in the middle of the night. Took my kid and went to the airport and booked myself a, a ticket back home and left him a note. And when I got back home, I called the divorce lawyer the next week. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And was it a was it a hard divorce or did oh, he yeah. fight you on it? And, on everything. Uh, everything. Of course, as a narcissist would. Yeah. He tried to get full custody and uh, my lawyer's like, Well, that's not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> um, you would literally have to like plant evidence that she's like a crackhead or something. You're not going to get yeah. full custody yeah. of your child. Uh and the divorce was during the pandemic. So it was oh. delayed. What was supposed to be a quick, easy divorce, what I thought lasted two years. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, if, you know, thank God I've been officially divorced for like over a year and a half now. Officially. Officially. Yeah. Uh, but I started the process three years ago when our son was one. And this year our son will be five. Aww, which he's adorable. Thank you. He's, he's so cute. I've never actually <laughs> met him, but I see you post he's about him on, on Instagram. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's so yeah, cute. With his big old eyes. Yes. His, yeah, he's he's great. He looks he's, so, like, just happy and yeah. like a joyful child. He is. He's a funny kid, too. Yeah. Such, such a wonderful child. He's loving. He's happy. And he, I'm kind of glad that I got a divorce when he was younger. Versus, I think it's harder yeah. When the kids are like in elementary or middle school, because then they they see yeah. the effects. Of they see it. That yeah. And I don't want to pull concentration from my son when he should be focused on school when yeah. he's young and f- sports and friends and just being a kid. And I literally I remember sitting there one day and I was just like crying, just like what am I gonna do? I can't talk to my mom about it. Yeah, she's not there. My dad, I mean, I don't even know what he's doing. My siblings aren't going to listen and I've at this point been isolated by all my friends Mm -hmm. because you know when you're in one of these relationships the only thing they want you to focus on is them your entire life becomes about them you know so I had to make the decision divorce now stay with this guy till he's my son's 18 and then get a divorce then I decided I, I can't put up with this for 18 years Mm-hmm. I will literally have to kill this person. <laughs> I can't do this. I don't um, blame you. I don't blame you. I just decided to take the plunge now because I knew. I just knew. Now, I'm proud of you for, like, mm-hmm. deciding that yeah. and making that decision early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you get nervous? Like, your husband, obviously, or, mm-hmm. or your ex-husband, yeah. he obviously isn't, probably hasn't fixed his narcissistic ways so are you afraid like does your son see him is he a part of are you afraid some of that could be put on to your son i am afraid of that i pray about this every day because some things i just kind of leave it up to god and i my plan is to just kind of educate him about Mm -hmm. boundaries 
okay. if I can teach him about emotional, personal boundaries and how to make sure that he respects himself, yeah. other people respect him um, and value him. And so he can see the signs. And yeah. hopefully, you know, thank God I'm in the position in my life now where I can afford to find a really good child psychologist mm -hmm. and put him into counseling early, which is my plan. Once yeah. he hits five, I'm putting him in counseling and catch yeah. it early. I refuse for my child to be a narcissist. That's not even an option for me. No, that's amazing that you're like already taking that the oh, actions. Yeah. Because like I said, all it takes is one person to start breaking those generational mm -hmm. thing traumas so that the future kids don't, don't have to carry that load with them. Exactly. They don't deserve it. Yeah, they don't. It's not his burden to carry. Mm -hmm. It's not his fault that, you know, he's not close to his grandmother, which is my mom, mm -hmm. or he's only close to certain, he's close to their side of the family and they're narcissistic filled on that side too so i'm just like man <laughs> i can't even think about that i just i have to think positively because if i do it's it's overwhelming but, but so then what what's the biggest driver or even biggest advice that you can give to any single mom out there going through something like this Mm -hmm. or just in general well one going through something like this mm -hmm. and then two if you want to give like general yeah. just single mom advice um for anyone out there single mom advice is to prioritize yourself first mm -hmm. that's the number one prioritize yourself and your health and then you can take care of your kids because you have to be healthy like they tell you put on your own life jacket before you save someone else so my number one goal and priority is me. If I can be a really healthy person, individual, mm -hmm. then I can be a great mom. Yeah. And that'll take care of itself. Um, and anyone going through narcissistic personality abuse or, or just dealing with any toxic, it doesn't even have to be narcissistic, just mm -hmm. anyone toxic in your life. Mm -hmm. Before you think about the future, you have to make a choice now. Yeah. Is this the end of it, or am I going to keep accepting this? Yeah, and just just bite the bullet and do it. It's gonna be hard. It's hard to be in these relationships. It is, and it's hard to be out of it. Mm -hmm. But I rather pick the hard where I don't have to see this person every day and deal with that abuse every day. That's true. It's a decision you know? and it's a choice. Yeah, it's gonna be hard regardless. Mm -hmm. So let me pick the hard that at least gives me the chance in the future. Yeah, to to find something better or be with someone better or just yeah. even be alone and be happy. Mm -hmm. That's that's a great advice. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot attest. And, you know, like sometimes I'm like, I can't give mom advice because I'm not a mother. Like mm -hmm. I can't be in your shoes. But I do know that I've heard so many women um, say that make sure you put yourself first. Don't forget about who you are and yeah. who you've always been because you can't fill somebody else's cup when you're just empty it, it's true you know when you're falling apart you're not really able to be there for the people who are depending on you yeah. i can't afford to fall apart i can't afford to be like hopping from one bad relationship to another yeah which it seems like after my divorce it was just a string of crappy shitty terrible waste of time relationships so now I'm about to be 32 in a few months. I'm mm -hmm. just making the conscious decision to just not date anyone right now and just focus mm -hmm. on my business, focus on my friends and my child and 
any other hobbies and interests mm-hmm. just give myself a break just yeah. just a cleanse from relate from from dating and relationships mm-hmm. i need a cleanse that way in the future i can see things with clearer eyes yeah that's true mm-hmm. that's true i mean i took a break i took um actually just recently when i finally started to put myself back out there because yeah. even for a while i had told my therapist I was like i'm not ready i yeah. just I want to focus on the podcast. I want to focus on my business that I'm trying to open. Like, I'm going to focus on me and I want to heal. I just want to heal better so that I can better see things, like you said, in a, in a brighter light, in a better light. Um, Because I was going to ask you, I was like, so how's dating right now? I mean, it's, I've met a few people and I'm just like, it's not, I'm not excited about the potential of the, the online dating, the apps and stuff, it's kind of just diluted and watered down what relationships should be because mm-hmm. people are swiping left and right and they can, you don't want to go on a date with me? Well, this person will go on a date with me right now and they'll pay half, you know, <laughs> and they'll sleep with me and make me breakfast. Like, well, hell no. <laughs> that's like, not me. Mm, that's Well, that's where I'm at. I was like, no, no, no. No. Mm-mm. I was like, I'm only on one app. Mm-hmm. I refuse to get on the others because I'm like, you're right. It's a buffet. It's a buffet. It really is. Oh my and so I well I personally worse. chose Hinge because you actually have to put effort to get okay. on there. Yeah. You don't have to pay for it necessarily, but you have to actually put effort. Put, yeah. And out of all the other ones, right? And mm-hmm. the way I look at it is I'm very firm. I'm like, nope, I expect mm-hmm. these things from a man. Exactly. If, if you make even one comment about saying that, oh, you might be this or high maintenance, it's like, you know what? If oh. I can afford this on my own. Then exactly. <laughs> Then, then you can't say anything about it because exactly. I live on my own. I do. I pay my you own bills. Take you care c- of yourself. Exactly. You know, if I could take care of myself, why can't you take help take care of the things that are just standard? Yeah. You know, level of care for me. Yeah. Dating is it's 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 a whole new world out oh, there, man. y'all. It's just like a just a jungle out there. It's the wild west. It really is. You're oh. out here just trying to do your best, but. I do believe when you work on yourself, really heal yourself, mm-hmm. you're more equipped to be able to really stand your ground and not cave in because you're right. There are other options. There are yeah. younger options, oh, and yeah. that's fine. You do you. If you that's what you want to do, that's yeah. fine. But I'm at a place where I want someone that's going to be a partner that's going to be walking side by side. A life partner. Exactly. Not just there now, gone tomorrow. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, I'm tired of that. I've, I've done it too many years now that it's just like I'm over it. Yeah. And then I'm left feeling lonely and then there's a you, void yeah. and then I'm left again damaged in exactly. a sense. Exactly. And it's like now I have to rebuild myself. Exactly. For what? Mm-hmm. Just pointless. Yes. And now I'm putting up walls and if anyone can climb those walls, well, good luck. And I know I'm like, I'm just like, uh, it takes a while. I am more guarded, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to be a little more open. And I am very choosy with who I decide to exactly. spend that like an hour, even like a drink of a worth of time. Right. Exactly. So, you know, dating is hard, mm-hmm. but you can do it. Yes, you can. There's still some good dating stories. I have friends who have met people on dating apps. Mm-hmm. Um I know someone who actually two people met on dating apps, got married, kids. They're happy. Like, they're genuinely happy. Mm -hmm. And then there's some people who just, you know, still figuring out like me. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm the same. Like, it's I I was like, I'm okay with it. 
Like yeah. I'm finally at a place and I'm very fortunate to have parents that never have forced the whole why aren't you married issue that's or good. having kids issue. Yeah. And this is good. This has come along. That's, that's this is how progressive like my parents are <laughs> because they're Mexican straight up. And honestly, like, I've never felt pressure. They've asked here and there. Um, they left you alone. They kind of just leave me alone. Yeah. I mean, I know they asked my sister, like, oh, so when are y'all going to have kids? But it's not like they're pressuring them at all. It's just yeah. more like, oh, okay, cool. My dad's more like, make your money. Exactly. You know, be independent, do your thing. Yeah. That's yeah. all, which I love. And this wraps up this week's episode of Life is Full of Daisies. Y'all, thank you for joining us. And thank you to Jumi for sharing her story and for coming on and just it was an honor to be able to speak about being in an abusive uh, family being in and and when I say abusive it doesn't mean it's physical it can be emotional it can be so many different things but I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation because it needs to be something that we are more aware of I know it's a taboo topic to talk about but the more aware we are the more we know as women what we truly deserve and that we know that it's a cycle we have to break. Um, I know a lot of with a lot of immigrant families and this can also be in American families, but we with Jumi and I both being immigrants, it is very prominent in just the relationships and dynamics, just examples that you grow up with that that's kind of normal, but we have to change the norm. We have to change what our children and the future is able to see. And I think having these kind of conversations and bringing things to light truly helps us become a more aware society and truly helps us just grow as individuals because y'all, you deserve better. You deserve to be treated like a queen. And if they're not able to treat like a queen, then you treat yourself like a queen, okay? Um, but that's enough for my rant. I truly hope that um, if anyone out there is dealing with something like this or if you know of anyone dealing with it, share this episode with them. I think it's very powerful in a way that it's going to bring some awareness, but it's also going to showcase that it's a support. It's a way of showing someone that they're not alone. And I, like I said, I'm very open and I'm very I'm happy to be someone's listening ear or just someone um, that can be here to support you so do not hesitate if you need that so as always y'all it's been an amazing episode and thank you for just joining in but if you do not already do so go follow us on instagram at life is full of daisies where you can dm me or you can email me at hello daisy at gmail.com that is h-e-l-l-o-d-e-i-s-s-y at gmail.com and i always love hearing from all of you and i love getting all your feedback and just all the love but also, don't forget to subscribe to Apple or Spotify because you will always be in the know as, as the latest episodes come out. And don't forget to rate us or give us a review if you're loving what you're hearing because those things help me grow this podcast and reach a bigger audience. And I always do truly appreciate it. If no one has told you lately, I want to remind you, you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. So go out there and do something amazing. And don't forget to be kind along the way, especially to yourself, and do an act of kindness. Bye!